0: Welcome to the Adaptive Executive Podcast, where we meet with senior executives and discuss how to keep yourself and your organization adaptive and your employees engaged. My name is Greg Ballard, founder and owner of 5C Consultant, and I am your host. If you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, you can apply on our website at 5C.Consulting. Look for the word podcast. For now, let's dive into the show. Hello and welcome to the Adaptive Executive. I'm your host, Greg Ballard, and I am joined by the lovely Danielle Hughes. She is the Chief Personality Officer of More Than Words Marketing. Danielle, a real treat to have you here today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolute pleasure. So Danielle, we got to chat a little bit before uh, we jumped on this episode. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you into the marketing and the copywriting space?
1: Sure, so I'll try to do the, the TLDR version because uh, I can be very, very uh, verbose, but um, I actually went to college to go way back um, for advertising design and graphic communications. I thought I was gonna be an art director and go into agencies and you know essentially be Don Draper. And at some point I realized I was a better writer than a designer Came out of school and somehow fell into ad sales marketing for television. So I ended up doing all of the marketing materials that sales would need to go out and sell programming. And this was at the very beginning of like sponsored placements and interstitials and product placement and all of that. And then I was over at a really small agency um, for several years. So I went from the business to business side to the business to consumer side. And what I realized was that I always had this more sort of warm, relatable tone to my writing, even when I was working in B2B, and this was a long time ago, when sales was very salesy, I always kind of recognized that somebody on the other end was making a more emotional decision and that talking to them as a human being and not just as a brand or a product was going to garner bigger results. So I ended up leaving the workforce, which we can get into, but I basically got fired um, because I didn't know how to express who I was and I didn't know how to advocate for myself. Um, and was a freelancer as a copywriter for several years. And then at some point, my pipeline for freelance started to dry up, like so many people that kind of go it on their own, I didn't really set myself up for success. I had no point of view. I was not doing any marketing. I was not doing any networking. I took everything that came my way and it was not sustainable. And at some point I realized that I needed to figure out who did I want to serve and what did I want to be known for? And I had no idea how to do that. So I hired a creative coach And in the process of working with her to create my company, she was the first person to tell me to put more of my own personality into my website messaging. And coming out of companies for decades, I was super resistant and super reluctant. And what I realized was that the more I did it, the more only the right clients started to come my way. And from there, everything changed.
0: Amazing. So I want to come back to something you just said, because I think it's worth unpacking. And so for our listeners, you know, if you are in the management, if you're an executive, if you are inside a small, medium, or even a large organization, you probably thought about personality, personal branding at some point, or you've heard about it. And so we're going to be diving into that today. And the trigger moment that I think I heard you say, Danielle. Maybe you have another trigger moment, but I did not know how to express myself. Can you take us and uh, and our listeners back to that moment, unpack that a little bit? What was that like? What was really going on internally, uh, and, and 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 help connect us to that 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 moment in time?
1: Yes. So. I'm not sure, like at the moment, I would have had the words to articulate that or that I even knew that that's what that was, but I know that I got hired for a role that I probably had no business being hired for, and, you know, I like to say I didn't understand the assignment, but I don't think they understood the assignment either, and um Like that's just- never
0: happened anywhere, right? Like <laughs> nobody's ever been hired for a job that the people hiring them hadn't- had it really figured out.
1: Correct. Well, you know, and they—it's—it's it's the understanding of the words, right? They were basically like, "We want someone to come in and shake things up." I heard we want somebody to come and shake things up, but they really meant is we didn't want someone to come in and shake things up. <laughs>
0: so. Oh. And-
1: You know, and I think I was blinded by the title and the money and, you know, like so many people, I went in with the wrong perspective. I didn't ask the right questions. What is the culture like? I was getting hired for a role that didn't have a boss and I was going to get a boss after the fact. So already there's the potential for friction that I didn't even realize because I didn't know who would be managing me. And that person then came in and resented the fact that they didn't get to choose me. So. I think I just didn't advocate for myself because I didn't know what I really wanted and I didn't know how to articulate the value that I was going to bring to the table. And that is something that I now teach to my clients is how do you figure out what you bring to the table? How do you foster that connection by amplifying the parts of your personality that are gonna create those connections with a potential employer or even potential, or even clients, right? Because we want to work with people we like and we forget that all the time that we have that control.
0: Yes, we do. We wanna work with people we like. Sometimes though, when we can work with people that we don't always get along with, we can do some very special things.
1: Okay, fair, fair enough. Do you have an example? I'm going
0: to put you on the hot seat. Oh yeah, so I didn't prepare that one, but I think I've, I've been in several situations where there's other people on the side, uh, and around the table, that are doing really important things. Okay, I'll go back to one of my previous roles. Um, I was in charge of standing up an entire new congregation, new site, and you know it was my site, if you will, but there was other things. There's a whole production team, and good guy, we just weren't best of buddies. And so we would hit butt heads um our communication director and i um words person we butt heads a lot became best friends afterwards mm. um and so when you get some experts with strong personalities you know sometimes you're gonna rub get rubbed the wrong way and if you're immature you don't know how to handle that you're going to break down if you know who you are can stay true to yourself stru- true to the position that you're in and they do the same Yeah, you'll butt heads, but you're going to make something really cool.
1: I love that. And I do think, you know, liking someone doesn't mean you have to like the same things. Correct. So that is a really important distinction. And I think what you said, like you can find mutual respect and like for another person who maybe you don't traditionally connect with because there's something else that is fostering that connection.
0: I love it. So here, here's a question for you and take some time to, to shape this if you like, but how important are our words?
1: I mean, words matter a lot. Um, depending on the person, you know, I think it's very interesting because I was listening to a podcast yesterday and one of the guests on the podcast said, um, oh, David Byrne. So the from the Talking Heads. And he was saying like, he, he may be on the spectrum. It's never been a hundred percent diagnosed. He's like, I think I am. And he says, when people say certain things to him, he takes them extremely literally. He doesn't get a lot of nuance or sarcasm, like certain things. And he's from New York, which is crazy that he doesn't get sarcasm. But um, to him, he's like, the right words can completely change his entire response, connection, anything with another person. Um, But I think words are so powerful in also how we get to own and frame our own story. And I help people rewrite their bios. And, you know, some people really is important to them. They want to control their narrative. Other people don't necessarily understand the value until they do it. And then the words on the page change how they feel about themselves. And it is... Like a light bulb going off like they just they light up their shoulders come down they get more comfortable they get more confident they might smile because they've never had something that truly represents them that they've been able to put out in the world as theirs that isn't just a cobbling together of random job titles and descriptions that they've had over their career which were never even written for them in the first place
0: It's like going into GPT chat and saying, write me a bio and then, okay, that's all true, but it doesn't, I don't feel it.
1: Correct. Exactly. Like it's a bunch of facts and stats. It's not a story. It's not a narrative. It's, it's not personal.
0: Right. And and We are such creatures of narrative. I mean, like I've kind of worked on this little idiom, if you will, like we will accept any reasonable story doesn't have to be true like any plausible story and we'll follow it and that is just this history of of people um we are suckers for narrative and story and so but when we're talking about individuals our stories are real our stories are true and i'm thinking of a um a text from from uh i think it's from proverbs it says a word fitly spoken is like a golden apple on a plate of silver and so when we're talking about the importance of words, right, and what the words that we use to represent ourselves, how we distinguish ourselves inside, um, in the marketplace, in our own team, I think sometimes, maybe you can speak to this a little bit, do you, do you see people feel like they're trapped in the idea of I have to look and be like everybody else? Or are you feeling like no, I, I I'm the I'm the unicorn and I want to show up like the unicorn. What are you seeing?
1: I don't think it's trapped. I think okay. a lot of people, especially if you are, as I like to say, north of forty, if you will, um, Gen Xers, where are we at? Um, you were raised, and you know, and if you're a Boomer, right, you were raised in a certain mindset for fitting in and being a certain way and what is quote unquote professional and so it's not I think it's not trapped it's it is so hard to change somebody's mindset around that they recognize it in other people and it's so interesting because we will see other people be applauded for their differences and we will applaud them and yet when somebody says well why don't you do that oh no 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 that's not me so it's fascinating and the more people I talk to the more people are like oh I can help someone else with their message and their bio and I'm so good at recognizing what's good about them I cannot do it for myself so I think a lot of it is a combination of being stuck being afraid um the fear is a huge one right fear of rejection fear of being too different what if they don't like me and then also like how does this help me, right? How does my personality really add value to my message or to an organization?
0: So, fantastic question. And I'm curious, working with the folks you've worked with, and you said you talked about senior managers, executives, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, people inside of companies that are growing. When you've worked with somebody kind of coming in, coming into your program and saying, "Hey, I, I want to sort this out," and then they're coming out saying they got it sorted out. What's changed for them?
1: I mean, what's changed is how they show up, you know, inside their organization and externally. A lot of them have been resisting being thought leaders for their companies, especially on LinkedIn, because they will say, I don't want anyone to go to my page. I don't want anyone reading my bio. So therefore, I am not posting articles for my company. I am not engaging And that changes the minute that they have something they're proud of and that represents them, all of a sudden, now they can start being a thought leader. Now they're an ambassador for their organization. So it changes for them and it changes for the company. And then internally, I think it allows them to then really start sharing more of their personality with their coworkers if they haven't before. And bringing, and then if you're a manager, hopefully bringing that out in your team as well, right? If you have a bio that now talks about how you run marathons or, you know, you want to, I would say, I want to visit every wine region in the world, right? That's a starting point for connection. And then they can start saying, you know, what do you like to do? Or what do you do for fun? Or tell me about your hobbies. Let's get to know each other a little bit more. And then it's not just about the work. It's about the person. Yes.
0: Yes. And we live in an age where connection is really what people are looking for because we can, you can, you can spend 20 years. Most people don't spend 20 years in a job. They'll spend two or three. Mm -hmm. You can spend two or three years at a job with people and really never get to know them beyond what they do in that job. Yes. Especially today. Yeah. And especially today with, You know hey look now we have zoom technology we do a lot of things virtually we're working from home we're even more remote some people are asynchronous text only right and then what you know that person's an avatar and then their text communications there's no human connection agreed and so um and and, you know my background that's a huge part of who we are i mean part of our longevity is tied to our ability to connect with other human beings Yes. and not connect in just like hi i see you but connect in this is something important to me and it's important to you yeah. and until we're able to kind of let the guard down and say hey these are the things that are important to me you're never going to know right so and and personality is 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 a few different layers and so i want to talk a little bit about i want to manage our time but how do you take someone's personality into account as you're working through this? Are you using any instruments or assessment tools or you know is that part of what you do?
1: Um I don't. Um oh, sometimes they'll come to me and they'll have they'll tell me, "Oh, I've taken these profiles and I have some information." So one of my previous clients recently had done a ton with her former company and she had pages of things that people said about her and all of her like skills and things like, and not skills her um, uh, you know the things that you're all good at you're there's like the ones that assess only the good things that you have oh my god the word strength, strength finder. strength finder thank you yes okay. <laughs> you don't have to cut that we just let people know I'm human <laughs> Um. yeah so like her all her strengths and so I had a bounty of information to work with but it's still she was transitioning and starting her own kind of company so a lot of that was relevant but a lot of it wasn't because it was under a different lens so it was helpful for us to have a conversation in a way that she was like but this is kind of not really who i am or who I, how i see myself so it ended up helping us kind of really give her her own perspective and her own voice because when she could see it on the page she could recognize the things that she wanted to focus on and the things that she felt weren't really benefiting her moving forward. So I have a couple of materials that I use with my own clients that I've created. Um, two in particular, and one is not revolutionary, it's you know, brand positioning. So figuring out, you know, who you are, who you serve, what you do differently, and like the benefit that someone's gonna get when they work with you. And I have a process where we work through that and we figure it out. And then I created something called About Me Mad Libs, which uses the Mad Libs format so that you can start to fill in your bio and your story. And the reason that I did this is because the number one thing people say is I don't know where to start. Like they could stare at the page and they have no idea what to include. And so this makes it sort of fun, but really hard for them to tell their story. And I give them kind of some straightforward prompts and some more whimsical prompts. And it's really fascinating to see what people end up sharing about themselves or what they think is interesting about them. And to me, that's a the much better tool. But profiles can be helpful as well. It's just not part of my normal everyday process.
0: Understood. We use profiles all the time. Um, We talked before. We were huge fans of the everything disk tools. By behaviors and, and I can keep going. But um, personality is a relevant discussion inside the workforce, inside the home, you know, with parents, kids, family, because your personality style is how you operate. And I cannot tell you how many times I've come into an organization and you know, there's just a lack of awareness of what personalities are and what they how they how they show up. And mm-hmm. so what can happen is you can get, so I'm going to use the DISC model, but you can get a D and an S. So a D is very driven, very dominant. You know, they're often either driven by the question, what, what do you want? What do you need? What will get you out of my way? And, and they hire somebody that want, they, 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 they need help. Right. And so they hire, say an S, you know, the steady, you know, the mm-hmm. steady person that's going to say, Hey, I want peace. Like, how will this impact everybody? How is this going to impact me? You know, they're very warm, but they're also very reserved. And those two personalities, like they're just opposite ends, you know, a D and I'm a D. So, and I, have had, I've had an S work for me and I'll tell you this story. Um, Picture grandma. Okay. 98 pounds, probably soaking wet, you know, four foot three. And she was coming to she was working on a project and I had given her a task and and I was just like, hey, you know what's going on with X? I forgot what it was. But I said this to her, and as a D, you know, young guy, good volume. You look, it looked like I just she she physically threw her head back like I'd punched her in the face. I quickly said, Hey, you know what? You do we'll talk later. I surprised you. But it got me thinking that my personality, if unaware, unchecked, unmanaged, okay, will steamroll an S type personality. And, and it's not like I'm doing anything wrong, but what ends up happening is us Ds get labeled jerk, we get labeled blunt, we get really re- too pushy. And, and then that gets, it turns into resentment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: On the other side, S's could be indecisive, too quiet. We'll judge them as you know you're not quite up to par. Right. Okay. And having insight into your personality style and the others around you can help you release a lot of that. We 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 recently done this where we've got people won't get in the same room with each other. Mm. We do the DISC profile. We start explaining this, and they're just like, "Ah, oh, that's why you do that." That's why you talk so directly to me. That's why you are wishy-washy with these decisions. It's not because what I thought. This is your personality. And your style has value. Every style has
1: value. Yeah. 100%. I think you hit the nail on the head. To me, the profiles never show you anything about yourself that you probably don't know. What they tell you is how other people perceive you. And that is the missing piece. And I know we talked offline that I took a disc profile assessment at one of my previous jobs that basically changed everything for me because I went in the same thing. I'm like, I know what I am. I'm this, I'm that. And I had been really butting heads with a coworker and we just did not like each other and it was getting problematic. And we did the assessment. And the minute that I heard how people perceive my personality type, it was like the heavens opened and it was like, oh, it was like, oh my God, oh, yeah. here I am thinking I am just getting stuff done and I'm just going to turn it out and I'm this, and she's thinking I'm cold and standoffish and rude and terse and all of these things. And similarly, I don't know if she was an S, but like we had a very, she was, you know, very disdemure and beat around the bush. And I was like, my God, just spit it out already. And we had to come to Jesus after this yeah. assessment and we are still friends to this day.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
1: And I will say that that has stayed in my brain all the time. And I have, I think I have a very high level of self-awareness because of it. And I think that that is part of personality is not just, this is who I am, take it or leave it. And that is not what we are saying. It's, this is who I am. How do I use that to connect with other people who are like me or who aren't like me? And how do I show the value in that?
0: Absolutely. And we would call that an abuse of the personality to just excuse your behavior uh, mm-hmm. It's never, you, you're never going to use, you know, a personality instrument to say, oh, well, I'm just a D. You're going to have to deal with me being a jerk, yes. right? Um, no, that's not the point of the, of this process. Of the, assessment. the point is to Correct. create some <laughs> awareness because the reality is, is we're all part of, we're, we're part of all of the, all of the styles. It just takes sometimes more energy, effort to go there. And you need to re- recognize when, when it's time to do that. Okay. Um, So we can transition off of this for a second here, but personalities are the part of everyday life and, and you call, you know, so let's talk about this for a second. You call yourself the chief personality officer. Give us some thinking behind that. Why that title?
1: Um, I, you know, so when I started my company and I didn't really get into this earlier, I, I wrote a blog post or a newsletter um, very early on because my coach was like, you're a writer, you have to have a newsletter. And I resisted because I didn't want to do just another marketing newsletter because who needs that? Who needs five more ways or three more things or whatever? And I said, you know, if I write it more like a blog or if I make it more about story, I'm more likely to write it. And I had this thought one day about personal brand versus personality personal brand the the title just never sat right with me it always personal means private like literally in the dictionary right words matter why are we sharing everything personal about ourselves with strangers on the internet coworkers, etc but our personality is who we are it is always on display every interaction we have with another human being, they are getting a taste of our personality and we are usually dialing it up or dialing it down, depending on who we're talking to, you know, so our friends and family get a ton of our personality, new people we meet get a little bit, and then we're figuring out how much of them we, how much of ourselves we want them to see. And what I realized was after I wrote this, people started to really respond to that. And a lot of people wrote me, especially people that are more introverted saying, oh my God, like as an introvert, like I just never understood personal brand. I don't really want people to know a lot about me, but I also feel like if I don't include something, I'm generic. And so to me, the difference between being generic and sounding like everyone else and needing to stand out for who you are and what you bring to the table is personality. So when I say chief personality officer, it's because I help people bring more of themselves into their message. And the idea is you want to attract the right people, but you also want to repel the wrong people. Bingo. Right? Your bio should do the vetting for you.
0: I was just going to go there. So after you've worked with folks, what do they say about the people that are coming around them?
1: That they're much more aligned. Correct. Yes. Almost. And that's the beauty. To me, there is nothing better than somebody who says you're exactly what I expected. That is the holy grail because that means that who you are here is who you are on the page. You are comfortable Mm -hmm. in both places and spaces and that you're not constantly thinking about what you have to not say, protect, et cetera. You never want someone to say, oh, I'm not sure this is working. I'm not sure we're a fit to me it's like we're a fit and then it's just is the budget right is the timing right is the need right etc
0: yeah uh, and then yeah. i think we're also seeing and and i think this is not just anecdotal but this is kind of established we're seeing people making buying decisions based on al- alignment of values alignment of of uh you know a lot of different things you know where are you aligned with an organization with an individual and if they don't know you, if they can't see your personality, they don't, you know, you're talking about an output, right? An ROI only, not necessarily the journey, not necessarily that you share their mindsets and beliefs and attitudes about X thing. Mm. And so I think people make these decisions about buying off of that, that next level of insight into who you are.
1: 100, I mean, you want to be comfortable, right? With the person that you are working with, whether they're in sales, whether they're not, if you don't create a comfort level with them, they're not going to trust you. And therefore, they're not going to give you their money or anything, you know, uh, the second most visited page on any company's website is the about page, because we all want to know who is behind the curtain, who started this company, why did they do it? What's their story? Are they a real human? Give me the story behind this. That's what's going to make me emotionally connect to an organization.
0: Absolutely. Hey, this has been a fantastic conversation, Danielle. I I think we could continue on for hours, but
1: I know I think that too. <laughs> what, what I
0: what I what I want to offer is um, is, is there something you can uh that something actionable that our listeners can maybe take on their own? To- a sheet of paper and, and do something that can help unlock a little bit of this. That's question one question two is if somebody wanted to to, to connect with you, you know, would they go to your LinkedIn, do you have a website, can you, you know, if somebody wants to follow up with you, how do they find you?
1: Sure. So first one, I'll give you sort of two easy ways to kind of get started with thinking about this and what you could do this action of all. The first one is what, if you were stuck in an elevator with someone that you didn't know, What is the one thing you could talk about for an hour with no barriers, unencumbered that would give you so much joy to talk to this person about your hobby, your passion? Is it music? Is it movies? Is it the sports that you do, a team cooking? What is that one thing that you love to do? And go put that in your LinkedIn profile. Uh, The second thing is to ask five people in your life for three words that come to mind when they think of you. And it should be different types of people from different walks of life. But I guarantee you that multiple people will come back with either the same word or similar words. And those are traits in you that they value, that the right employer or the right customers or clients will value, and that you probably take for granted because it just comes so naturally to you that you're not even playing it up as a string.
0: I love that one so thing you can talk about? Do I have to keep it to one thing? There's probably four or five I can talk about. I can talk through. I can talk for an hour about a few things. Okay. Um, and then ask five people to give you three words that describe you.
1: That come to mind when they think of you. Like, Not that, that yeah, like mind. what's a trait or characteristic and you don't have, yeah. don't get too specific. The, the key is to be more vague. Just, mm-hmm. Hey, like what are three words that come to mind when you think of me? Done. Love it. And you know, some people are like, well, you know, everyone says, oh, you're so thoughtful. What do I do with that? Okay, well, do you work in an organization where you have a lot of meetings? Are you the person that can maybe recognize people who aren't getting called on on a regular basis in a meeting that you can raise the red flag and let your manager know? Are you the person that remembers client birthdays? Thoughtfulness can be translated in ways that are a value and a benefit outside of just you're so thoughtful. So, you know, think about that.
0: I love it. Yes. And then,
1: and then how, how they can connect like, with me. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm on LinkedIn, Danielle Hughes. My website is morethanwordscopy.com. You can definitely find me there. I have a newsletter, like I said, that goes out every other Friday. And it said, like I said, it will never be three ways or five things, but I promise you will rethink messaging and personality every time you read it. And you can also find me on Instagram, Danielle Z Hughes. I'm on threads kind of, I don't know, who knows? will threads, by the time this airs, will threads still be a thing? Who knows? We will see.
0: (laughs) All right. And then the last question, we're going to get you, we're going to wrap up here. What's your favorite book on leadership? Your favorite book on leadership?
1: Oh, um, I don't read a lot of books on leadership, Um, but I I really loved um, Brag Better by Meredith Feynman, Mm. Um, it's awesome. And I think, especially for women, we tend to downplay how amazing we are. And this book tells you not only why you should, but how. So, and for everyone, we should all be, because you're bragging in service of how you can help someone. You're not just bragging for the sake of bragging.
0: Fantastic. Danielle Hughes, Chief Personality Officer, More Than Words Marketing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank
1: you, Greg. This was great.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Adaptive Executive Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn and by subscribing to our mailing list. Again, my name is Greg Ballard, and thank you for listening.